You have any idea what a pain you are? I think so, sir. Jim! The beach is that way! You think the rules don't apply to you because you disagree with them? Three, two, one. By now, all of you have heard what happened in London. It's a fugitive, and I want to take him out. Hold on! Captain, this ship will not fit. We'll fit. We'll fit, we'll fit! I told you we fit. I am not sure that qualifies. We're gonna do this, we gotta do it now! You ready to swim? I'm ready. Punch it. Tell me this is gonna work. I believe in you. Come on, it's gonna be fine. Star Trek Into Darkness, in theaters May 17th. To see the movie first, get the exclusive app now. Go to StarTrekMovie.com slash app. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi. Today is going to be podcast 427. It is March the 10th, 2013. Hope everyone is doing well. What you heard there at the start of the show is uh, the brand new theatrical trailer to Star Trek Into Darkness. This trailer is attached uh, mainly to the new movie Oz the Great and Powerful, which just came out a couple of days ago. Actually, I'm going to go try to see that later this afternoon with Lynn. We're going to both go see it at a little local movie theater here in, in near where we live. And uh, that looks like a fun movie, too. But uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, yeah, that trailer is pretty pretty cool. I'll talk a little bit more about it on today's show. Uh, some new footage in there. Probably about half of it's new uh, and uh, some new audio you'll hear during the you know you heard it during the trailer really exciting stuff they're making this movie look very action-packed which i i think it definitely is going to be from everything that's been you know commented on and told to us we'll be talking about that some other trek movie news other other topics going on in the world of geekdom over the last few weeks on this sort of classic uh, treks and sci-fi show we're also as the main topic going to be looking at a voyager episode a voyager episode from season five it is called Bliss, and this episode it might not be the greatest Voyager episode ever, but I think it's a fun one and an interesting one for a few reasons, and it's uh, it's an interesting one with regards to the characters and the crew and stuff that goes on with them. I'll be playing the episode and commenting at, on it as I listen to it, to, or, or as I watch it and you listen uh, on Treks and Sci-Fi today, and we'll talk about some other things uh, that have been going on in the last few weeks and what's coming up in, in the world of uh, geeky you know, TV and movies and other things uh, here today on Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, welcome again to the show, everyone. Thanks for tuning in once more to Treks in Sci-Fi, or perhaps for the very first time. Maybe you've never uh, listened to the podcast, and this is your very first one. I am Rico, your host. I've been doing this show for uh, a great many years and a great many uh, podcast episodes. Uh, this uh, last uh, year or more, 
a little bit more than a year. Uh, every other week I do a show, and then in between we do some special shows with guests, hosts, and things. You've had some fun ones. Uh, you had Mark last week looking at that Planet of the Vampires movie. I did a recent joint show with the Anomaly Ladies, Jen and Angela, which was a lot of fun. We looked at The Way to Eden. Uh, we've had some other recent podcasts on Dune and 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 just and and uh, Robo uh, Robojocks Robotech yeah that's what the way it was called I want to call it Robotech Robojocks right with Joe so anyway we've had a lot of fun stuff and uh, more to come here on the show I'm a little feel a little nasally this morning I don't know why I feel okay but uh, if my voice sounds a little more gravelly I'm gonna blame it on the time change <clears throat> excuse me we just had to. Uh, change the clocks you know spring ahead spring ahead and fall back so fall back of course means you move back an hour spring ahead the clocks move forward an hour in most of the united states i'm not i'm not really sure at all if other countries do this do they does canada do it does mexico do it does you know people in europe do you guys do this i i i'm i I think some places do i'm really clueless about that though you know me, I'm just living in my own little world down here in the Rico Cave, but uh, I know there's a few states in the United States that don't do it. Uh, I know uh, out in the Southwest, I think uh, where Brian is in Phoenix and in that area, they don't do it. I, I kind of don't really understand why we do it anymore. I've never really... The idea is, you know, you, you, you're gaining more daylight during, you know, the regular day or the work day or something perhaps i don't know but i i just don't see like if people need daylight for whatever they do why don't you just follow and get up whenever you need to to do that i i don't i don't know but uh enough about that silliness uh, you know at least these days computers automatically adjust their clocks when you when you turn them on and your phones do and that i still got to run around and change all these little just clocks in the house and, and that but then our thermostat and, and it, it, it's a timer one you know that sets it you know itself based on it goes down during the day a little bit when we're not here so anyway you got to adjust that it's it's just um yeah we we've gone to the point where we're only about four months now i think where we don't we not we are not on daylight savings times i think we switched in like early november and now we've already switched back to it so not very much uh of the year is non-daylight savings time okay that's way too much time spent on that time topic (laughs) uh how's everyone everyone good did you like the trailer did you like the new uh trek trailer i I think it's pretty exciting i i'm starting to get a bit concerned and this is something that i've mentioned uh during other times you know we've all been kind of biting you know our lips and and just chomping or, or i guess the expression is chomping at the bit for information and news on the movie and now little stuff has been coming out because I guess they've started to have some screenings in certain places of the film. And there's little stuff that's coming out about what the, who the characters are, and, and, and I've tried to avoid it. I, I stick to kind of like the main publicity that they will uh, release, things like trailers, photographs, uh, articles in, in magazines that are published where they're pretty much under, you know, very limited things about what they can talk about sometimes the interviews with the cast you see online they're all they're all pretty nondescript and they don't give a lot away but when they start showing you know previews of the movie to to people in other countries then then the cat kind of gets out of the bag a little bit it's hard to control 
and that's starting to happen. Also, uh, the United States, we are, we are getting a, a sneak preview two days before on May 15th for the film. But on May 17th is the official release. However, uh, it is going to be coming out about a week before that in a few countries. Uh, uh, I know it's going to be out in, in, in the U- United Kingdom, I believe, a week before. There's a few other places. I, I had a list here. I, I didn't... Uh, oh, here we go. I'll, I'll find it here. Star Trek opening a week early in the UK. So yeah, in Australia, May 9th. New Zealand, May 9th. Austria, the 9th. Germany, the 9th of May. Switzerland the 9th, United Kingdom the 9th, Ireland the 9th, Mexico the 10th, and I think that's probably most of the ones that will be hitting before the United States. Oh, there's a couple other places. It looks like uh, Egypt on the 15th, uh, and Norway, and let's see, on the 16th, Chile, Peru, Lebanon, Singapore, Malaysia, Ukraine, Russia, Serbia, Slavnia, is that how you say that? (laughs) Croatia. So there's there's a good dozen or so countries that will have the movie many days before the United States does. And it's going to, with the Internet, somebody was commenting, I read somewhere yesterday online that uh, somebody was making the comment about, you know, you'll probably be able to download a, a bad, you know, web, not webcam, a bad a handy cam or holding, you know, the camera in the movie theater version of the movie. You'll probably be able to download it if you want to, if you really go that far. Uh, of course, you shouldn't do this and go and watch the movie in the theaters and support it, but uh, you'll probably be able to do that, though, because of these screenings uh, days ahead of time if you want to. Uh, we'll see how it all goes. I mean, it's. I think we've all come to certain conclusions already about the movie and that, and as long as there's not some big, you know, kind of... I, I always think of the movie, of the, the movie The Sixth Sense, you know, as long as there's not some big surprise kind of thing that happens in it or big thing that happens near the end that you know it's like if we all learn oh yeah he's sort of like a con character this harrison guy and he's you know super you know human and and genetically engineered well like big surprise there i i i think we're all thinking that that's probably the case so but again if something huge were to happen like they kill off one of the main characters or something like that uh, that could be a little bit hard to deal with. I still, it's still to me a little bothersome in this day and age that we can't just sort of do these releases all uh, pretty much almost on the same day. I remember back, um, wasn't it the Phantom Menace? Somebody will, you know, send me an email, treksf at gmail.com. But I believe it was the Phantom Menace that George Lucas tried very, very hard. They made a big point, and it was a big thing where they had a worldwide same basically same day release you know of the movie and of course there's different times around the world so different places will get it sooner than others you know the united kingdom is like five hours ahead of us and things like that but it won't be days and days ahead it'll be just some hours ahead but they made a big uh, deal i believe that they were having that movie come out all on the same day effectively calendar date at the same time and i thought that was a cool thing to do and i wish they would have uh, I wish they'd be able to do that more often. I mean, there I can see that there are definitely reasons they don't and that. But with a movie, especially that J.J.'s been trying to keep so many secrets about this film, to have this happen, I, I'm... Well, we'll see. We get to... Uh, I might just sort of have to go dark for about a week. <laughs> Avoid everything online. 
yeah, for as best I can uh, for a week and, and until uh, you know I get it here in the United States and we can talk about it. I mean, I'll be trying to and and almost certainly be going on the fifteenth that Wednesday to go to that little preview night event thing. I should really get my tickets. I, I suppose they could sell out. It's at a really large IMAX theater. Uh, Probably about a half hour from my house is where they're showing it uh, here. I think there might be a couple places in Michigan, but that'll be the closest for me to go on the 15th. So, so tell me, anybody you know out there listening, uh, tell me what your plans are. And uh, you know, I hope uh, I know we have a lot of friends on the forum that are from the United Kingdom, and I'm sure you guys will be seeing it days ahead of our you know our little group. And I think that's happened with a few other big movies. I, I think the Bond movies have come out there ahead of time. So you guys, I know, are really good about being careful about not spoiling it and plastering it all over the Treks and Sci-Fi Facebook group or over the forum about what the movie's about. And we have spoiler tags that you can use on the uh, on the forum. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, so there we go. But I'm excited. And the um, specifically about the trailer, uh, there's some things in there. You hear, I think Peter Weller's character has a line in the movie, like he says the line. I, I believe it's him saying. Uh, you you all by now have heard what happened in London. The whole the, the big they haven't kept that really a secret. You know that the Harrison character you know has this series of you know bombs or explosions or something going off that that really decimates London quite a bit. And you can see that in the poster and you can see that in the trailer, the, the various trailers that they've shown. So that's not a, much of a secret there, but. Uh, and then, of course, there's the whole Pike angle where it looks like he's sort of becoming more and more like a father figure to uh, Kirk and kind of reaming him for, you know, going against, uh, you know, orders and, and rules. And, you know, this is Kirk. This is what he does. You know, there's uh, one thing, though, that I am noticing, and I think this is probably even more the case since and, and other people have pointed this out for the 2009 Trek movie. And I, I, I kind of agreed with it a bit. But it's, it's becoming even more apparent. Since J.J. Abrams, we know now, is going to be directing the next Star Wars movie, and there's there's rumors out there that he's actually been signed to do the next three films, to direct the next three Star Wars movies. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a rumor. But, uh, you know, it's been no secret that J.J. is a big Star Wars fan, and there are certainly touches, especially in this latest trailer uh, of Star Wars elements. There, There's a scene where... You'll you heard it in the trailer, and if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It looks like uh, you know Kirk, Spock, and Uhura are in this smaller ship. They're not on the Enterprise. They've uh, kind of gone off on their own, I think, at this point in the movie, and they're in this small little ship, kind of a saucer-shaped ship, not very unlike in shape and size to what look you know to the Millennium Falcon. And they're being pursued by another ship. I think it's a Klingon ship that's chasing them and firing on them, and and they're kind of kind of going through some kind of a you know looks like structure on a planet perhaps or some kind of a base and and Kirk has to fly the thing you know and he has to sort of turn it on its side so it looks so much like the you know the scene the asteroid chase scene in Empire Strikes Back where Han you know of course you know angles the Millennium Falcon to go through this little narrow passage and the TIE fighters blow up behind him and it, it, and then there's a scene where Kirk says, punch it, and, you know, punch it, Chewie, I expect him to say. And it, it, it's just, he is certainly Star Wars-ified, uh, you know, Star Trek to a degree. And it, it's been, again, that's been talked about since the 09 movie in certain ways. And I, I'm I'm fine with it. I just, again, there are some people that really this bothers. Other people are kind of middle of the road. Some people like it. 
I'm just fine as long as the story and the movie are good. I just consider this another sort of aspect or version of Star Trek that can be enjoyed. Uh, it, does it have to be like an episode of Trek? Does it have to be like the original series? Does it have to be like the next generation? No, it's its own kind of thing. So it's uh, I just you know get in the roller coaster and go along for the ride. I think it'll be fun. And and one thing that was shown to me at least in the '09 movie, and I guess I'm turning this show into pretty much just talking about the Trek film and the trailer and other things. I'll talk about a couple other things real quick, but uh, is that he still is pretty invested and knows these characters and does a good job with them and the story is still interesting. So it's not just going to be all whiz-bang and and things, uh, but I think we're going to enjoy it anyway. All right, I'm going to spin off a little bit talking from the movie now. I want to talk about one other thing. Uh, Gates McFadden, uh, Mina, who has sent in clips from Star Trek Stars, we're sort of segueing off into this. Uh, Anyway, uh, Mina is working with Gates McFadden. Gates is selling off, of course, you know, Beverly Crusher from TNG. Everyone knows that, right? Uh, She's selling off a lot of old photographs and items that are autographed and different little things that she's memorabilia that she's collected over the years through eBay and through auctions. She's doing it uh, for charity for this, uh, I believe it is for an actor theater group in in the L.A. area, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I'll I'll, I'll post up something on the the main website about it too, but there's an audio clip that Mina got Gates to record, which will explain this a little bit, and I'll put some links in the podcast notes for this week about all this. You can follow Gates now on Twitter, and I'll also link to her auctions on eBay, her auction uh, group there. Uh, but it's uh, it's a cool thing. You can get some neat items. There are some that are up right now that have a few days left, and I guess they're going to be putting them up in kind of groups and waves. Uh, but listen to Gates now talk a little bit about this, and after this I'll be back and talk a, about a couple other things uh, related to uh, geeky topics, and then we will uh, get into um, the Voyager episode, Bliss. So listen to Gates now, and I'll be back in a, a minute or two. Hi, Trex and Sci-Fi. Gates McFadden, Dr. Beverly Crusher right here. Asking you to follow me on Twitter at Gates underscore McFadden. And check out my eBay listings, Gates McFadden's Trunk Sale. I am getting rid of all of that licensing stuff that that I have collected in storage spaces over the years. It's all going for my nonprofit, Ensemble Studio Theater Los Angeles. Check it out. Bye. All right. That was cool. Thanks, Mina, for sending that in. And we'll be keeping an eye. There's some neat things up right now, some autograph um, pictures and items. I'm actually tempted to bid on a couple things. So thanks for that. And uh, we'll keep an eye on those auctions for the next few weeks or a couple of months. I'm not sure how long they're going to be doing this for. But that should be uh, fun to watch, and you can pick up some cool items. All right. uh, Other things that I've been watching and doing in the world of uh, fantasy and sci-fi. The Walking Dead is, is is really continuing to be a great show. I'm uh, slowly slogging my way through the comics. I think I'm about on issue 73 now or so. Uh, it's uh, it's really uh, been good. Uh, you know, it's nice that they have these nice compilation uh, books out of of the both the, the of the Walking Dead. A, a few of those, so that's nice to be able to get caught up on the comics too. But I'm loving the uh, TV show as well. Also, Grimm came back. Finally, NBC brought that back Friday night uh, and the first episode back after being off the air for, what, I don't know, four months, something like that. <laughs> it's been forever. So that's fun. And Arrow continues to be a great show. I'm really enjoying that a lot. I'm really glad that they've already renewed that for next season, so that's good news. 
so that's what I've been watching on television, at least in, in that kind of fantasy sci-fi realm. Uh, also, I went to see Jack the the Giant Slayer last weekend and enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it's a fun movie. I think it's a good family film. There's some, you know, a little bit of violence in it and things, but th- nothing I don't think that a certainly about a nine or ten year old couldn't couldn't take uh, these days. So it's uh, it's a good movie. I, I I know it made not very much money. It didn't do very well at the box office. And of course, we have another kind of fantasy film coming out this weekend too. Yeah, with uh, Oz the Great and Powerful coming out. I tried to go see that this today, like I was saying earlier, and uh, that looks like a lot of fun, so it's probably going to cut into any other movie money that uh, Jack uh, the Giant Slayer could make, which is kind of unfortunate. It really reminds me a lot of last year's uh, John Carter film from Disney that was out around the same time of the year in March, I believe, and didn't make very much money, but cost a lot to make. And since then, most people that I know that have watched the movie and have actually, you know, sat down and watched it, enjoyed John Carter quite a bit. I I, I really like that movie a lot. In fact, I'm reading uh, that uh, first John Carter book by Edgar Rice Burroughs and enjoying that. So, you know, these, a lot of it has to do with timing. You know, March isn't really a great big blockbuster month. It's not like the summer. I know I think the the Jack movie was supposed to be out at one point. I think it was supposed to come out last summer, and then they held it back. Kind of what they ended up doing with um, that new G.I. Joe movie that's going to come out at the end of this month. They held it back. and It's just all has to do with timing and the time of year. You know, people go see the movies, and, and they usually tend to make more money during the spring-summer months than during this time of year. And, and sometimes people just don't want to go out. I don't know. There's bad weather or whatever, so... I enjoyed it, though, and if you like fantasy, I always put movies into this kind of category, and it's one of the reasons why I always say I don't really pay much attention to critics, but I listen more to friends of mine, for the most part, that are like these kinds of things, but I always put it in, you know, let's say you had a guy who was a restaurant critic, but he didn't really like Chinese food, <laughs> so, and what what did he have to go to do today? He had to go to a Chinese restaurant and, and do a review of it. Now, I, I don't understand how that's going to come off sort of uh, as a good, you know, representation of maybe what that would be. To me, to me, it seems like you want to send, you know, if I was a guy running a magazine or a newspaper or whatever or a blog that was popular, and you had it, you had movie reviewers. I would, I would have movie reviewers do reviews of movies that they are interested in and that, uh, you know, are the kind of thing that they typically enjoy watching and know whether something is good, bad, or whatever. I I just don't see how you can do a review if you don't like action films, you know, do a review of an action film or do a review of a fantasy film if you're not really into fantasy films that much. Now, of course, that sort of biases you even the other way where you're going to just favor those things. But to me, it's better than... I've read some reviews in magazines of movies and where it was obvious the guy doesn't like the kind of movie he's reviewing at all. So it, it's it, the points he makes don't don't really work and and then it it just kind of undermines the whole review. So I kind of I take them with a grain of salt. I typically find either people friends of mine that have similar tastes or a reviewer even that might have similar tastes. Like Roger Ebert for years always seemed to if there was a movie that he liked, typically I would usually like it and so forth. And then if there was a movie I wasn't really that into, he usually, he seemed to have similar tastes. So I used to kind of 
out of all the movie critics, he was one of the few that I ever really paid much attention to. Um, but anyway, so that with all that, uh, we need to move on. I'm almost halfway, half hour into the podcast, and we need to get into this um, Voyager episode. So, uh, But go see that, and I'm really looking forward to Oz the Great and Powerful. You know, The Wizard of Oz is like my pretty much favorite movie of all time. So I'm really looking forward to going to see that movie. I, I've heard, I haven't really read any reviews, but I've heard people talk about the reviews, and I guess they're a little bit mixed, not the greatest, but I, I think the movie looks amazing, and I think it's going to be fun to watch. Any time I can get back into the world of Oz, I've read uh, a fair number of the books, and of course I've watched every version you know, from the sci-fi miniseries they did a few years ago uh, with Zoe Zoe. How do you say her name? Zoe Deschanel. Uh, I really enjoyed that, and uh, you know the the just any any Oz thing, even the Wiz. <laughs> I, I I'll I'll eat it up. So I'm looking forward to Oz the Great and Powerful with uh, with that group. And it was actually filmed. You know, director Sam Raimi, who who directed that film, is from the Mi- Michigan Detroit area. Grew up here. He's he's not too far off in age from me. He has a, a, a you know a very loyal kind of uh, feeling and and anyway it was filmed uh, the movie was filmed at some studios in the Michigan area so that that's a neat connection uh, his buddy Bruce Campbell who's on burn notice has got a kind of a cameo role in the movie he put his brother Ted who used to be on Sequest uh, he's in the movie a little bit and uh, you know Sam I think is a, is a cool director you know he did Spider-Man movies and I think he's 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 somebody that really can do this movie well I was reading an article about the production a little bit in Entertainment Weekly and uh, he had some interesting things to say didn't give away anything too much on the movie just talked about making it and some of his other uh, casting choices and decisions and things so I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Oz the Great and Powerful later today. And uh, But first up, before I get to that, we're going to do uh, Voyager and the episode Bliss from Season 5. So, hey, let's do it. All right, here we go with the Voyager episode of Bliss, Season 5, about midway in Season 5. There's an alien here in a vessel that's being uh, attacked. What's wrong? Can't figure out why I'm still not running, huh? Ah, can't read my thoughts. Go ahead. Attack. Take my ship. Ah, this damn ship. Hold together. Hold. sort of weird phenomenon looking thing in space kind of electrical blasts hitting his ship and he's kind of heading into it and then of course it fades out to the Voyager uh, theme here let's back off that a little Okay, the Voyager, Star Trek Voyager episode Bliss. It is uh, the 14th episode in season 5, first aired on February 10th, 1999. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was a little while ago, right? 10, carry the whatever, 14 years ago, roughly? Yeah, maybe not as long as it seems. Uh, 
It is. Uh, uh, it was a story by Bill Prady and a teleplay by Robert J. Doherty and directed by Cliff Bull, who directed quite a few Voyager episodes. The guy at the beginning is sort of an Ahab character. The, the, the premise of this episode is there's this creature in space that uh, lures people and ships in uh, with giving them, uh, you know, things that are what they want, I, I guess is the way I can put it. Um, they, uh, you know, with Voyager, you'll find out here as we go through the episode, Voyager gets these messages and ideas that um, that there are, there's a way to get home and, and messages from home. And but it's all very suspicious. And Seven of Nine is 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 a big part of this episode. She doesn't really believe a lot of this. Uh, it's mostly uh, things and impressions that. Uh, are from home and all the Voyager crew of course want to get home so okay go back to the episode here now we're back on Voyager approximately 400 million kilometers from our current position take a look at the transkinetic vector it leads to sector 001 it looks like a wormhole but we're detecting massive bioplasmic activity that suggests a life form neutrino flux erratic a direct route to Earth's doorstep out of the blue What's wrong with this picture? We should launch a probe. Go to yellow alert. Prepare a class five probe. Let's see what's really out there. Daily log seven of nine. While we failed to locate a new source of deuterium, our mission had educational value for at least one member of the crew. If you go looking for deuterium tomorrow, can I come? Well, that's up to the captain. It's likely you'll be replaced by a more experienced officer. But this was my first away mission, and I didn't get to do anything. I disagree. You familiarized yourself with this vessel. Oh. It's Seven and Tom Paris and okay, Naomi Wildman now? aboard yeah, the Delta Flyer. Another time, perhaps. Hey, Naomi, you want to take the helm? Can I? Ensign. She'll be familiarizing herself with the vessel. Here. Okay. First, bring us up to one-quarter impulse. Hit this control, then that one. One-quarter impulse. Aye. Now you think you can chart a course back to Voyager? Yes, sir. Okay, so we don't need Tom Paris anymore. We got Naomi, so, uh, you know, we'll be all set. And now they're back on the ship, and, and Tom's carrying a very tired, sleepy Naomi. Room in Boylan and White, frequently late for their duty shifts. Uh, uh, speaking of late, I'll make a deal with you. I'll explain to Sam why her daughter's two hours late for bedtime if you start on the survey report. Acceptable. Have fun. You're back. I was beginning to worry. The survey took longer than expected. Lucky our deuterium shortage is no longer an issue. A wormhole. The wormhole. It leads all the way back to Earth. The odds of finding such a phenomenon are infinitesimal. Never bet against the house. Yes, of course, Seven is, is very suspicious right at the start. For anomalous readings. You will find none. He's right. No subspatial contortions, no temporal variants. The probe we sent in has already picked up faint signals from the other side. Lana's still downloading them, but she's pretty sure they're from Starfleet. 
This wormhole is only 300 million kilometers away. Long-range scans should have detected it days ago. Perhaps it was an oversight on your part. If it'll make you feel better, <laughs> run a diagnostic. Yeah, I don't think so. In the meantime, so. let's maintain course. Oversight on Seven's part? Nah, I, I think not. The guy playing the alien uh, at the beginning of the episode, you've seen him on Star Trek before. Uh, he's The actor is W. Come Morgan Shepard. I think he's played some Klingons. My diagnostic. Sensors are operating at peak efficiency. And there's nothing to worry about. On the contrary. The wormhole's neutrino levels are extremely erratic. I thought so too. Until I received this. Turns out those faint signals we detected were communiques from Starfleet. They assure me the neutrino flux is nothing to worry about. And Still Janeway's waving around her iPad mini in her hand, of course. Time, the wormhole might destabilize. <laughs> the doctor often instructs me to look before I leap. It is an antiquated adage, but I believe it is relevant. I have another one for you. He who hesitates is lost. Captain. I think we're avoiding the real issue here, Seven. You're still feeling uncomfortable about returning to the Alpha Quadrant. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Trust me. You're going to thrive on Earth just as you've thrived on Voyager. Yes? Letter number two. I'm getting jealous. Mark. Apparently his engagement was broken off. What about you? Any news? A full pardon and reinstatement to Starfleet. I've even been offered a professorship in anthropology at the Academy. Oh, Chakotay. Congratulations. But it's not fair. Yeah, that's a little error there, that letter that Janeway got in the season before. She got a real letter from Mark saying she, he was already married to a different woman. So what's Computer this access, all log engagement recorded by thing? Captain Janeway on Stardate 52542. Access to those files is restricted. So a Seven is down in her little regen chamber area and... Uh, She's trying to dig into this mystery. She's very uh, suspicious. Access and granted. As, and then she so she goes over to a panel and does some adjustments and gets access. Play first log entry. Captain's log, stardate 52542.3. Long-range sensors have identified a wormhole leading to the Alpha Quadrant, unfortunately. Secondary scans have revealed that it's some kind of elaborate deception. The question is, who's attempting to deceive us and why? Play next log entry. Captain's log supplemental. We've begun to receive faint telemetry from our probe. I don't want to get the crew's hopes up, but Bellana thinks it may be a message from Starfleet. I'm beginning to wonder if my earlier skepticism was justified. Play next log entry. Captain's log supplemental. I've set a course for the wormhole. With any luck, we should be back in the Alpha Quadrant in a matter of days. Sorry for the click there for a second. So you can see from the log entries, you know, it, it doesn't really add up. First Monica? she's suspicious, so there's Hansen? issues. There is no one here by that name. Are you sure? Because I have a letter here addressed to her. I never realized you knew anyone from the Alpha Quadrant. I don't. Well, it looks like someone knows you. Where's it from? Claudia Hansen. She claims to be a sister of my father. Your aunt? She is looking forward to meeting me. 
That's great. <laughs> Starfleet's appointed me ambassador to the Lantuan sector. Ambassador? I guess they thought I'd have a flair for quadrupeds. So everyone seems to be getting all this kind of news that, that makes them uh, to kind of ignore what, what this is Edison, all going on and about. Of your time. Sure. Have you noticed anything unusual about the crew's behavior since we returned? Like? When I presented the captain with evidence that the wormhole may not be what it appears to be, she seemed unconcerned. Really? That doesn't sound like her. I believe the crew is being deceived by false telemetry as well as overly optimistic correspondence. The letters from home? Mm. I got one too. No doubt containing good news. Oh, I'll say. An old buddy of mine offered me a spot at the new test flight center in Australia. Beautiful beaches, a chance to pilot the latest experimental ships. I can't believe it. Then you doubt the veracity of the letters as well. <laughs> Are you kidding? I've already written back and accepted the job. Yeah, so everyone again is getting uh, Computer, activate the EMH. mostly information that, the that they're really the happy emergency. about. The wormhole is not what it appears to be. I believe that the crew is being... Hold on. Wormhole? You weren't informed. Not a peep. Considering everyone's recent behavior, that's not surprising. Since the discovery of this wormhole, the crew has ignored obvious signs that it's a deception. You must determine if there is a physiological explanation. Seven of nine to the bridge. On my way. I'll call in a few crewmen for routine examinations that should allow me to run the necessary diagnostics. So they're, uh, again, we you just know, entered visual range. Seven's obviously not very affected by whatever's going on. From the other side. There is considerable Whether that's her Borg abilities and things, or I I the fact she was off ship, although Tom seems to be affected, so it's not that. Try it now. Yeah, so they're approaching this this wormhole, and then they they're able to scan through, and they actually get an image of Earth. <laughs> it's like talk about dangling a carrot. How long until we reach the wormhole? Fifty-three minutes. Maintain course. All hands, this is the bridge. Secure all systems. When we reach Earth's orbit, lay in a descent trajectory. North American continent. Starfleet headquarters. So, you know, kind of not a surprising situation, you know, Seven. She's always kind of the, the more doubtful Computer, and suspicious one. Scan of the wormhole's interior. But the, uh, you know, her, her against the crew the situation. With a class one wormhole. No irregularities detected. Recalibrate sensors and try again. No irregularities detected. Isolate grid 925 and magnify. Computer, is that a vessel in grid 91? No vessel has been detected. Open a comm channel. Channel open. Alien vessel, this is the Starship Voyager. Respond. Alien vessel. Who are you? Seven of nine, Federation Starship Voyager. Our ship is on an intercept course 3.4 light years from your position. Turn around. 
You're being deceived. How? He knows what you want. Computer, identify the cause of the power failure. Captain's orders. Power from Astrometrics has been rerouted to the navigational array, at least until we've completed our journey through the wormhole. I've made contact with a vessel inside the anomaly. Starfleet? Alien. The pilot attempted to warn us away. Sensors show no record of an incoming transmission. The sensors are malfunctioning. He said we were being deceived, that the wormhole is not what it appears to be. The preponderance of data suggests otherwise. The data is flawed. As is your reasoning. May I ask you a personal question? Are you looking forward to seeing your wife and family? Indeed. And is that desire stronger than you expected it to be? Your point. I believe you are being manipulated. Someone or something is compromising your logic. Otherwise, you would be willing to listen to my concerns. Access to the Astrometrics lab is restricted until further notice. Yeah, this part, this part I would have, you know, I think that I would have had Tuvok be kind of on her side a little bit or not be so easily deceived being a Vulcan and all that and having a much more disciplined mind. I think to me it would have made more sense in this case for him to at least have a few doubts at that point uh, and, and maybe eventually be on her side. But, you know, her against the crew and the, and the whole ship maybe is maybe more interesting, more exciting. I don't know. There's always questions about how to do that. Uh, but this, uh, this to me would have been a good spot for to use Tuvok uh, and have him at least look into it a little bit more. And uh, I don't, can't remember. I don't think he does. Uh, but uh, it's been a little while since I've watched this whole episode again. Naomi Wildman. Your presence here is unauthorized. State your intentions. I'm hiding. From whom? She's Everyone. an Erborga. You're all acting strange. Even Mom. Elaborate. She keeps smiling all the time. Talking about Earth like it's the greatest place in the universe. You do not share your mother's desire to return to Earth. Voyager's my home. If we go to Earth, I'll have to leave the ship. I'd miss my room, Neelix. You and I wouldn't be able to play Cottescott anymore. Curious. You and I appear to be the only ones not affected. Affected by what? I'm not certain. Stay here until I return. So here we have at least someone else that doesn't uh, seem to swallow this Peter whole thing. Activate EMH. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Where's the doctor? Offline. Why? Starfleet orders. Something about the wormhole interfering with the holographic systems? They didn't want to damage his program. He must be reactivated. Oh, no can do, not until we're on the other side. It's urgent. <laughs> Believe it or not, I am capable of handling almost any medical problem you might have. I was just coming to see you. Why? 
I'm afraid I have some troubling news. Evidently, our wormhole passes through a layer of subspace monitored by the Borg. Starfleet's concerned that your neural transceiver might attract some unwanted attention. We need to deactivate your implants. You should not attempt to do so without the doctor's supervision. Unfortunately, he's offline. Then the procedure is inadvisable. Try to relax. We're only going to keep you in stasis until we breach the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. I realize uh -huh. the prospect of returning to Earth is frightening to you. It's perfectly natural for you to resist the unknown. But you're in good hands. Resistance is futile. Oh, how funny. <laughs> Again, I, I think this would have been more dramatic if some of these people would have been a little bit more, not so easily swayed. 2,000 kilometers and closing. You know, Goodbye, some, Delta Quadrant. some allies for... No more for... Rojan hunting parties? Malon garbage scowls? By this time tomorrow, it'll be Cardassians, Romulans, Ferengi. Chakotay to the bridge. Go ahead. I've spoken to Seven of Nine. We're putting her into stasis. Well, make it fast. We don't want the Borg to crash our welcome home party. Yeah, I probably don't think that's going to go so well for you. I need to adjust my regeneration parameters. And probably mess you guys up. How long will I remain inactive? A couple of hours to be on the safe side. Security alert! Naomi Wildman. Security's on their way, Chakotay. What happened? Seven's trapped us behind some kind of Borg force field. Try to disable it. Naomi, go back to your quarters. Pay attention to me. If this indicator begins to flash, enter the following series of commands. Watch carefully. Naomi. Do you understand? Yes. Naomi, I'm giving you a direct order. Step away from the console. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to stick with Seven. She's my friend, and we, we play Kazakat together. And... She's blocking my commands. Keep trying. Again, I think this is a little bit... You know, two like okay. Computer, come lock on. onto my coordinates and initiate a site-to-site -site transport. Main engineering. She just happens to have a to a phaser rifle inside, <laughs> in her back in her alcove area. A pretty big phaser rifle too, I notice. And now she's blasting around engineering and. Seven. I'm sorry. Milana is blasted. <laughs> She's slowly stunning the fire whole engineering. engineering crew. Janeway to security. Computer, erect a level 10 force field around engineering. I do Lock like this, though. Kind of die-hard-like. Seven's tapping into the engine manifold. She's trying to shut down impulse drive. Bridge. She has erected another force field. It'll require several minutes to deactivate it. Where is she exactly? Engineering console 16 beta. See, one thing they don't really point out Captain, here that I I'm sending an EM don't search remember. To that Seven's going into stasis whether she likes it or not. Is that, uh, what's the rush, really, to go through the wormhole? 
So yeah, Janeway She's just down, sort of zapped Seven. Captain, we're at the threshold. Take us in. So they're going into the same area of space-looking thing. And it sort of now closes behind them, like a mouth almost. Just spatial turbulence. It's beautiful. Steady as she goes. And to the to the viewer, it doesn't really look like a wormhole, it looks like some kind of a thing or a creature in the outsides of it. Now we're back aboard Voyager after the break. Neelix is having some kind of dream or vision of like meeting these admirals of Starfleet and they're all like happy to see him and he's shaking their hands. And Janeway is gonna, you know, she's kind of got this weird lighting and there's a, on the bridge she sees a view of Earth on the view screen. Everyone's kind of seeing what they want to see, kind of what their dreams are and what they're hoping for. They're all in sort of this bliss that, you know, giving the, the title of the episode, this bliss state. And now we see the reality of it all, though. They're all kind of laying on the ground and they're unconscious, or all around the ship they're showing them. And, you know, engineering on the bridge, Tuvok uh, also is sort of dreaming about what he is seeing, and he sees what appears to be a Vulcan woman, must be his wife. They do the little, you know, two-fingered Vulcan touch. So again, this is all very much the dreams and hopes of the crew, what, what they're visions are showing them the bliss again from the episode title it's kind of an old school kind of original series type of episode in a way where there's this creature in space and it's deceiving the crew uh, it kind of uh, similar to uh, the style of some of the episodes from the original series I think uh, what's uh, we're showing now is the crew knocked out around the ship, but Naomi Wildman isn't. She's like the only one that uh, seems to be unaffected. And again, I think it has to do with her not really wanting to buy all this, not really wanting to leave the ship, and not not succumbing to what's their you know the the, the stuff they're peddling, <laughs> what the creatures peddling. And now she's in looks like engineering. Seven, wake up. Seven of nine, wake up. Force field. Seven's uh, wakes up from her getting zapped by the captain. Damaged. It's just a scrape. The crew. 
conscious, sort of. Our hull is demolecularizing. Do wormholes do that? No, they don't. Return to your quarters while I assess the situation. But I can help. My mom says two heads are better than one. Isn't that the Borg philosophy too? Simplistic, but accurate. <laughs> Please, I don't want to be alone. Seven doesn't like to have, uh, you know, things tossed in front of her that she knows are true, so. So she gives Naomi a little nod and they go off together and uh, have to save the ship. Seven and Naomi. I thought it was always interesting and nice that they put those two together. Felix! Just because Seven would be like the last person on the ship Felix. you would think would would take as a friend a little he girl. Will survive. But I think it's sort of a... Uh, she sees sort of herself as a we young child moving. in Naomi a bit. Naomi Wildman. We will return for him. And she, uh, Naomi kind of puts her arms out and Seven picks her up and carries her off. She's a little scared. I don't think that's Earth. No. So where are we? Restored partial systems. I'm reading organic compounds, bioplasmic discharges, vast network of neural pathways. Is it a life form? If it is, it's the largest I've seen, over 2,000 kilometers in diameter. What are you doing? My earlier scans revealed a vessel. I'm trying to find it again. Somebody else is stuck here? Possibly. Ahab. We're, we're going to call him Ahab. Heavily damaged, but, but still I think his name is Katai or Kutai on this. Alien vessel, respond. This is the starship Voyager. Please respond. I told you to stay away. Why didn't you listen? Our crew believed they were returning to their homes. Everything they've always wanted. Correct? Yes. He deceived them. He. I believe we should work together to escape this anomaly. Lower your shields and I'll beam you aboard. Shields are the only thing holding my ship together. I'd be destroyed. I will enhance your shield emitters. You won't fool me that easily. I assure you we are not a deception. Oh, how convenient. An enormous starship comes to my rescue. <laughs> you might try a more subtle approach. My scans indicate that your shields will fail in approximately 15 minutes. Join us, or you can remain on your vessel secure in the knowledge that you were not deceived. But that knowledge will do you little good when you are dead. Yeah, okay, maybe, yeah. All right. Decide now. All right. All right. This guy is uh, W. Morgan Shepard. He's from London originally. He's a character actor. He's turned up in a lot of TV and movies over the years. He actually had a little part in 
the 2009 Star Trek movie. He was the uh, head minister of the Vulcan Science Council in that movie. So you may recognize him a little bit, his voice. The one basically Spock tells off and says, you know, when he leaves Vulcan. Ow. You look real enough. But over the years, he's made me believe many things are real. A fortune at my fingertips. Good friends, risen from the dead. You're referring to the anomaly we've entered. Anomaly? It's a beast. Cunning. Deadly. It's Moby Dick. What does it want? I want to kill it. You? <laughs> Your ship. Antimatter, biomatter. He consumes it. Everyone believed it was a wormhole. Oh, telepathy. Psychogenic manipulation. He senses your thoughts, your desires, and then he preys on them. Like a pitcher plant. Pitcher plant? The doctor taught me about it in botany class. It catches insects by mimicking pheromones. Yes, you're right. But this one doesn't eat insects. He eats starships. You are familiar with this life form? Familiar? I've been hunting him for nearly 40 years. And have you become impervious to his telepathy? Almost. But there are days when he can still trick me. Like yesterday. I thought I had found a way to kill him once and for all. I'd allow him to begin consuming my ship. Then I'd fly directly to his most vulnerable system. His primary neural plexus. Boom! i destroy him from the inside out. Mm -hmm. But he knew. He showed me what I wanted to see. I was nowhere near his neural plexus. This actor was, I was also flying on, uh, directly into the uh, old show Max Headroom. It's a character named Blank Reg on that show. Speaking of digestion. How do we get out of the monster? It's not a monster. It's a bioplasmic organism, and we will find a way out. No. The girl's right. He's a monster. And the only way out is to destroy him. Well, okay, we can do that too, I guess, if we want. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah, we can do that. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Your ship is being devoured. I'd say that's an emergency. The monster ate his ship, too. Monster? I want to see your weapons manifest. Weapons? This is a sick bay, not an arsenal. What's going on? Voyager <laughs> has been lured into the digestive chamber of a bioplasmic organism. We require your assistance in charting an escape route. Slow down. The last thing I remember, I was speaking to Mr. Paris. He said, the wormhole posed a threat to my program. The beast has been manipulating your crew. The moment he realized you were beginning to suspect something, he made sure you were deactivated. And who might you be? The local monster expert? As a matter of fact, I am. He's been fooling you for days, creating false sensor readings, and he's been altering your crew's thought patterns. A little neurogenic telepathy to make them lower their guard. 
That might explain the heightened dopamine levels I found during my routine examinations of the crew. Have you informed the captain? She's asleep. Asleep? It's our proximity to the creature. The neurogenic field is stronger here. It's already rendered most of the crew unconscious. Does your vessel's database contain information on the creature's anatomy? Of course. Retrieve it. In the meantime, let's work on a wake-up call for the crew. Yeah, this is really a, a massive uh, creature thing. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the big um, Computer single-celled organism by 29%. the Immunity Syndrome in the original Accordable series. Inhibitor? I thought it might disrupt the organism's hold on her. It won't. I already tried a similar procedure. I don't remember asking for a second opinion. <laughs> it's working. She's regaining consciousness. You're being exposed to a powerful neurogenic field. You've been unconscious for several hours. They're here? Who? The Marquis, they're alive. Balana, you're still on Voyager. You're hallucinating. Starfleet thinks you've all been killed. Computer, increase neurotransmitter what levels happened? another 10%. Yes. Balana, focus on my voice. You could. She doesn't want to. They never want to. Now we're panning onto the bridge and we're showing Janeway. She's unconscious. Tom's unconscious. Uh, we've got all of them just sort of, you know, zonked out. Come it's on. silence I hate. The way he takes you without a fight. It was the same way with the Nokaro. A crew of nearly 3,000. Families mostly. Mine included. Looking for a new world to settle. But they came across our friend here. And he showed them what they wanted to see. A glistening green paradise. By the time I responded to their distress call, all that was left of them was some fading engine emissions. That was 39 years ago. 39 years, two weeks, four days. Do you mind? The situation is dismal enough. I'm just trying to explain who we're up against. Well, I'm getting a pretty good idea on my own. This actor, uh, Morgan Shepard, is uh, also the father of another guy, Mark Shepard, who turns I'd up it's at least years in a lot of uh, intelligent other shows. I wouldn't track go that far. Leverage. I on highly evolved instinct. I haven't detected any signs of sentience. Oh, he's intelligent, all right. Smart enough to fool your crew into taking you offline. No need to get personal. <laughs> Seven. I'm here. Are we still inside the monster? Yes, but we are going to find a way out. There. This is it. Exactly what we need. These plasma torpedoes and your weapons manifest. If we can bring your vessel 
deeper into the creature's digestive tract and detonate one of these charges, we might be able to destroy it. Starfleet's not in the habit of killing life forms. Even if that life form is about to kill you? Yeah, If I could take I think a few so. hours to examine the creature more thoroughly. There is no time. We kill him! Maybe there's another way. Explain. Any living organism, no matter how large, will attempt to expel a foreign body. If we could just make Voyager a little less tasty. My scans indicate that your weapons are Tetrion-based. If you were to fire one at a pocket of antimatter released from our warp core, it would produce an electrolytic reaction. Would that make Voyager taste bad? It might at that. Yeah, they get a little too, you know, like. Your ship. Uh, Try adjusting your shields to this frequency. I'm like, if you could destroy the sh this thing discharges. and keep it from you sucking another ships and stuff, wouldn't you want to do that? Exobiology, shield harmonics. I'm something of a Renaissance EMH. I could use a crewmate like you. The beast would have a difficult time manipulating a hologram's desires. An Ishmael to your Ahab? No, thank you. You're turning down the hunt of a lifetime. As appealing as that sounds, I'm a doctor, not a dragon slayer. My program requires that I do no harm. Shame. So at least finally someone made a comment about how much this guy's like Ahab. Katai's vessel is ready. I've rerouted bridge controls to engineering. Ops, tactical, helm, all integrated into one station. Efficient. I thought you'd like it. I'm plotting a course for the organism's esophageal aperture. Prepare to release the antimatter. One thing I never really got all about this is, dropped another 13%. is how this little guy shipped Doctor. and how he's dealt with this Ready creature for so long and not Voyager been to Katai. destroyed. Katai, that's how it, yeah. Wait! Wait! No, 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 no! What's wrong? That last jolt must have destabilized my targeting sensors. I could establish an interface to Voyager's targeting array. Don't bother. I know my ship is just being stubborn. Initiate the burst on my mark. Now. Like the taste of that! I'm reading <laughs> violent contractions throughout the digestive chamber. It's working. We're moving back through the esophageal aperture. Voyager has been expelled. They're 3.9 kilometers from the organism. After just one burst? For a big fellow, he certainly has low tolerance for tummy ache. Ty's vessel was also released. Hail him. Why haven't you ejected a second burst? We have cleared the organism. You've been deceived. We're both still inside it. He's right. I'm reading bioplasmic energy. 
I am impervious to the creature's influence. You were impervious. When it was creating the illusion of Voyager getting home, because you didn't share that desire. But now we're trying to escape, which is what you want. Think about it. He's showing you exactly what you want to see. Seven. Initiate another antimatter burst. Now. Fire. Ah. And now they show both ships being expelled from the creature. We're out. Are we certain? No sign of bioplasmic energy. We've escaped. They're taking us out of range. Maximum warp. I'd better see to the crew. Well, I'll be on my way. Thanks for your help. Your engines have taken heavy damage. You require our assistance. No time. The beast is already altering course. I'll handle the repairs myself. The procedure would take several days. Don't worry about me. Just get your ship home. Now watch out for pitcher plants. Yeah, that was the whole premise of this uh, this episode, the pitcher plant that uh, releases pheromones that attract Location. insects and things to that it can capture. Still in the Delta Quadrant. That was sort of the Scan pitch the that they Find used for it. It's gone. I can't find it on sensors. Captain, bridge controls have been routed to engineering. Ops, tactical, helm, all of it. Bridge to engineering? Yes, Captain. Seven? What's going on? The doctor will explain. I will file a complete report in the morning. After I have regenerated. Captain's log, stardate 52542.3. We've deployed a series of beacons to warn other vessels about the bioplasmic creature and resumed a course for home. Yeah, I was going to say that. I thought that they left something there as a warning to vessels. You know, like, uh, stay away, because this is a bad bad thing to get involved with. <laughs> Naomi Wildman. Don't worry, my presence here is authorized. By who? Mom. She thinks I need to learn more about Earth. I see. And does studying this image increase your desire to go there? Not really. I concur. It is unremarkable. But my mom likes it. And even Neelix can't wait to get there. So, I guess it can't be that bad. Given this crew's determination to return home, I have no doubt we will see it for ourselves someday. Yep, I think you will. Now we're back on the uh, Katai's vessel. Seems a little crazy to me, but you know. So that's it. That's this episode of Voyager Bliss. Like I said, I think it's it's fun. I, I, I like the fact that uh, you know 
I always like the lone, you know, savior of the ship type of thing in Seven. Well, she gets a little from the Doctor and Naomi. Although I still think it would have been more interesting if a few people were just not so easily deceived. Maybe the Captain, maybe Tuvok, you know, they they just seemed... It seems like some people aboard that whole ship would have, would have not really been... Maybe some of them don't even want to go home, you know. So uh, it would have been a little bit maybe more interesting if there was a little suspicion here or there didn't just swallow it so easily at least but uh you know even just a like yeah maybe you're right seven and then they you know and they got a headache and then the creature did more and they said no 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 you're wrong seven or something like that but uh that's uh about it for that episode i'm gonna take a very short break and i'll come back and, and we'll finish up today's podcast i'm a television junkie and the real world stumps me i got a lot of problems Hello, I am not Jen. And I am most certainly not Angela. And you are not listening to the Anomaly Podcast. But you are listening to Treks and Sci-Fi with our good friend Rico Dosti. And when you're finished with... When you're finished... When you are done listening to Rico, you can head on over to the Anomaly Podcast. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Fangirls with the mostest. The socially functional fangirls who walk on the wild side. (laughs) We're the crazy hippies who know how to shoot a gun. (laughs) I do, do you? I do not, but I don't want to. Good. But I support your right to. <laughs> this will never make it onto a promo. It might. All right. Uh, again, I hope you enjoyed uh, that look at that Voyager episode along with uh, just uh, the comments about this week's new Trek trailer and other things I talked about uh, earlier on the podcast. Coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi, next weekend you're going to have Chris and Al here. They are going to be talking about the classic Disney film 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is kind of appropriate after today's episode of Voyager Bliss. You know, we have another... You know, Captain Nemo and that uh, going after that uh, huge octopus thing in that movie. And just it's a fun, 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 adventure Disney film that I've uh, watched many times over the years. So I'm looking forward to their uh, cast about that. And then in uh, two weeks, two weeks from now, the 24th, I'm going to do another one of those year kind of year in review shows where I look at the movies and some TV and a few other things from the year or uh, from a specific year from the past, and a few of them. This one I'm going to focus on a year not that long back, uh, 2002, actually, uh, which had a couple of big, uh, several big sci-fi films come out that uh, year, 2002. So that'll be the the year of uh, review 2002 style in two weeks. And three weeks from now, we're going to have an episode with uh, Jedi Jeff and Rick Moyer, and they're going to look at various Star Trek ships and talk about the different ships 
and and things that they uh, like about those and give you some details and, and cool stuff and I'm sure it'll be a fun show to listen to so that's over the next few weeks on Trex and Sci-Fi just a few last comments uh, donations to the podcast are always welcome and, and appreciated there's donation buttons and, and links up on treksandsci-fi.com the main page there uh, via PayPal you can set up a, a you know a few dollars per month or a one-time donation that you want to make whatever you'd like those always are, are, are great to have they help pay for the hosting fees for the monthly um, uh, forum fees that I have uh, to uh, keep the, everything up and running and hosts of the podcast hosting of the podcast and so forth so uh, iTunes reviews always great to hear and see those uh, I would love those uh, if you'd never done that uh, that would be great and tell a friend about uh, the show that's always helpful too if you get a chance to and, and join our facebook group over at facebook.com slash treks and sci-fi or just join the forum or both uh just send me an email trek sf at gmail.com if you want to join the forum because auto registering is off uh, we were getting way too many bots that i had to deal with uh, you know that uh, it just was ridiculous so if you just want to join the forum, though, all you got to do is send me a little email, tell me the username that you want, and I'll get you hooked up with that. So that's about it for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show, and go watch some fun movies like Jack the Giant Slayer or Oz the Great and Powerful, and we've got G.I. Joe in a couple of weeks, and, and then we're going to be getting into April, and, and uh, we'll have Iron Man 3, which is looking great. Uh, we're going to, of course, have Star Trek in May. We've got Man of Steel coming. Uh, I wish we'd get another Man of Steel trailer. I feel like we haven't I feel like we haven't seen much about that movie, really, uh, considering how long it's been worked on and, and, and filmed and made. And, and, and just it's 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 to me, it's surprising we've not seen seen more on that movie uh, at this point in time, especially so, especially being such a big movie for the summer. Uh, so that's about it. Take care, everyone. I will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. And next week, again, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with Chris and Al. Take care. Bye-bye. Why do you still resist us? Surrender to your desire for sensation. But don't take my word for it. Plug into your captain. Feel his bliss. Captain! You're alive! No, deserter. We are reborn. This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production.